Hey everyone, welcome to episode 191 of S-Stop, Collaborate and Listen. This week on the podcast, I was joined by a landscape photographer from Sweden, Matthias Schuland. Matthias works full-time in the digital marketing field and runs an upstart landscape photography business that he calls Photo Magica, where he recruits big-name photographers from the United States to join him on small tours and workshops in Sweden, bringing the stars to his market. Matthias and myself discussed some interesting topics this week, including how he improved his photography on a small budget, how he built his landscape photography business, how he uses Google Ads for marketing uh, in his landscape photography business, some other digital marketing tips, and the differences between European and the United States in the landscape photography market. Over on Patreon this week, Matthias and I discuss how photography enriches his life and how he maintains his photography business and a full-time job. Okay, let's get to the show. All right, Matthias Schuland, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, it's um, first of all, I guess, thank you so much for being such a strong supporter of the podcast over on Patreon for, for so many years and um, really enjoy hearing from you from time to time and seeing what you're up to. So I really just appreciate that. Well, same here. I mean, we, we, we tend to discuss all sorts of uh, topics, I think, when we are doing it. So uh, everything from elections to photo. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, what's an election? Uh, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bad year anyway, right? So. <laughs> right. Well, cool. So for people that aren't familiar with you and your photography, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, all that kind of stuff, and how you got into photography. Right. So uh, my name is Matthias, uh, born and raised in, in Sweden, although I had a few years over in America. and. Uh, been moving around a little bit, but always sort of find, found my way back to my hometown, which is uh, Uppsala, Sweden, which I think many people know as a university town. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, married with uh, three small, fairly small kids uh, at the age of eight and a pair of twins at the age of uh, four. And, uh, you know, I keep a regular job uh, in sales working with a, a digital communication agency and uh, having my, my photo and my photo business on, on the side uh, that I started back in 2017. My, my photo journey has sort of been in tranches. I, I think I got my first camera, which was an uh, analog film Canon type of camera back in the 90s uh, that I pretty much destroyed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then, and then I, I, you know, I had a pause for a few years. And then back in 2007, uh, I uh, wanted to get a new camera, and I, I then got myself a, a Nikon D80, uh, which back then was sort of uh, one of these uh, get-to-start-yourself-in-photography cameras uh, not probably very advanced, but still fairly expensive, I thought. Uh, didn't really learn to shoot or, you know, learn learn the craft, but uh, I, I, I took some pictures with it. And then, yet again, a pause a few years and, and uh, 
didn't really think about photo all that much until 2013. Uh, I got myself a Nikon again, a 7200. And also uh, then I was, uh, I, I didn't learn the craft, but I started then actually to, to explore the outdoors more and started to appreciate photographing the, the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and then actually I got myself a Christmas present for my wife, which was uh, one of the <laughs> uh, online courses, you know, that you video online courses. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and 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 that was back in uh, that was a Christmas of 2016, and that just grabbed me so hard. I was totally well up in it i i couldn't think of anything else and i i really started then also i i said to myself i want to learn everything there is about, about this craft although i realized it's probably going to take me a, a full lifetime and you know you know you're you're never uh, uh fully skilled in it but i, I want to learn everything there is so there yeah first of january 2017 also marks sort of a uh, a starting point for me so i have the i had this 27 2013 and then again in 2017 and, and so it's really complicated to me when people ask me when i started in photo because i really don't know but i i know that first of january 2017 was uh, a mark mm-hmm. that's so funny that uh you you got that d7200 and then just became obsessed i had the exact same experience um actually very similar to you i got i bought my first camera way back in like i don't know 99 2000 2001 something like that and and i didn't really use it a whole bunch um but i got interested started taking it with me on trips and stuff like that and then same thing like 2011 i bought a a nikon d7000 and i literally i think i checked out every single book in the library about photography and just immersed myself in it and yeah, like never looked back. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly, exactly. And now, and now it's become. I mean, I guess for you as well. Then, like a you know a bubble that we can go into for an hour or for a weekend or for a week, and then we go out and live our regular lives. Yes, yeah, it's great that way. Uh, it sounds like for you that uh, photography was a gateway into nature. Whereas I feel like a lot of people, it's kind of the other way around. I wasn't interested if you could tell me a little bit about that. Yes. I, I've been thinking about that myself, especially listening to all your great guests. Uh, uh, it's been, uh, I, I always love the, uh, love the outdoors. Um, I, I went to, you know, picking mushrooms in the woods with my mom as a kid, etc. Mm-hmm. But I never got my, I, I never got myself out in, in into the outdoors until I was a grown up and and actually got my camera. But the love for the outdoors has always been there. Love for nature, but the the, the camera sort of propelled me to take that leap out in the forest yet again, out in the woodlands, out to the mountains or the sea or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I always had a a, a, a profound passion for for the outdoors but it's it's never i wasn't out myself until i got myself a camera yeah that's awesome i uh 
I personally think it's interesting that that happens to some people where, you know, they, they like being outside, but then when they get into photography, it's like they have this whole, this whole new appreciation of, of nature. And I think that's one of the coolest things about nature and landscape photography is that it, it is a vehicle by which you build a relationship with, without, with the outdoors. Yes, you build, a, yes, you do. And, and you build new relationships with new people that you never thought you would came, come across otherwise. Yes, that's very true as well. <laughs> yeah. So when you first, well, not when you first, but when in 2017, when you just went head over heels and, you know, went deep into the, into the matrix of photography, excuse me, what was your primary vehicle by which you used to improve your photography? Uh, well, as I said, I, I began with this video course. I, I can't even recall the name of it now or, or who had it. But that, that was if that was the boiling plate, uh, I, I realized that I uh, pretty soon I, 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 wanted to, I wanted to ask someone questions, someone that I could trust would give me good answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, uh, I had actually a list of, of photographers that I, I wanted to get in contact with. But I, I was a little bit hesitant, too. I, I, I used to work in the music industry way back in the 90s, and you don't, you don't just call up rock stars. <laughs> you know, hey, Bruce, what's that? <laughs> but, but as it turned out, uh, the rock stars of, of this industry uh, aren't uh, that hard to, to actually call up and they they are they they are nice people and most of them are really happy to help and uh, uh, but and also but but usually I mean help or you know in 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 this modern day and age is usually related to some sort of a transaction finance wise and I I wasn't really I, I didn't really have a lot of capital so I. I, I went through this list and I identified who of these photographers had the worst website. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and, and since I have a fairly good skill in digital communication and web, etc., I, 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 called, I called this guy up and said, uh, I, I, I'm a startup in this. I, I don't know a lot. And, and uh, I think you could use a new website. And as it turned out, he, he agreed. So... <laughs> We started sort of to exchange uh, information and knowledge, and uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so we did we did it like the old fashioned way. We traded uh, uh, what do you services or you know, yeah, bartering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's well, that's actually really smart because you know I think that's one of the things you hear a lot from people is um, that they don't have <clears throat> have the money to to pay someone or go on a big crazy workshop with someone. And um, I think that's a very uh, smart approach. Me personally, I, I didn't have money either when I was in starting out. And so I just read a lot and I, uh, this is, this is a joke, but I, I spent a lot of time on the Petapixel comment section of articles. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. That's not a, that's not a good way to learn photography. No, but so you uh, you started studying under uh, Hans Strand, is that right? Yes, uh, yes. I, I did. I did. I didn't want to hang him out as the guy with a with a lousy website, but but that's true. Yes, so, <laughs> Hans website was lousy. 
uh, and his images are so good. And I just thought they deserved a better presentation, you know. So they were good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so other than the fact that he had a bad website, what were some of the other reasons why you chose him as somebody to learn from? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't obviously because he had a bad website. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Hans Strand is is a true modern master, uh, I think, and uh, his way of thinking, uh, his way of uh, creating, and just just to hold a Hans Strand print in my hands could could make me really happy because it's it's such a clean looking image and it's so good, and and uh, that was really what you know inspired me to get in contact with him uh he he is uh the best one of the best around and uh, obviously also being a swede and just living in my next door city stockholm uh i figured this could be a a a relation that could work so yeah we've been meeting up from time to time doing photography and uh post-processing and uh and uh and occasionally, uh, well, obviously, I helped him get a new website, and occasionally, I help him, you know, uh, change a few things and upload new pictures. And and we speak probably two, three times a week for the last two oh, years. That's awesome! Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's that's such a a brilliant approach to. Uh, and I, I mean, honestly, I not super intentionally, but I I, I had somewhat of a similar approach because. Uh, what I did is I identified a bunch of people, people that I love their work here in Colorado. And I, I wrote like this long article um, talking about what I consider like the 20 best landscape photographers in Colorado. And like, I think somehow, some way that article was written and Google liked the, the way I keyworded it or something. And, and like now to this day, if you Google best landscape photographers in Colorado, that article I wrote in 2011 shows up and and like most of the people that are in that article are now my friends <laughs> because I think it, it drove a ton of website traffic to them and then gave yeah. us just gave us something to talk about and so that was I don't know it wasn't really intentional but it kind of had the same sort of effect for me yeah so that's pretty cool yeah well I, I think that uh, if, if that article ever is rewritten it's going to be 21 names your name can be there too now, isn't it? Well, so truth be told, I did. I did like maybe two years ago. I added myself as like an honorable mention, just because I was like, this. It just felt fair. Like, okay, I wrote this article like ten years ago. I should at least put myself in there so that I get a little bit of the traffic. <laughs> yeah, why not? But uh, but yeah, no. I um, I think that approach of you know thinking about okay, what what do I have to offer? other people that they might be able to benefit from so that I can learn from them. I think that's, that's a totally great way to approach learning photography. No, it is. And I'm, I'm trying to be, I mean, I, I got, I'm running this business, uh, part-time and I'm, I'm trying to be just as open-minded as Hans was to me. It, it's not always about the money. It's, 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 I mean, obviously if you run a workshop and, uh, you you need and you have costs and everything, but I I mean I have people calling me and I'm always open to answer questions and having discussions and help people out. I I think by doing that 
uh, I'm learning also. So I think that goes both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about that uh, small business that you're building. What what was your idea for your business? Uh, yeah, uh, obviously, business ideas transforms over time. Uh, you you adapt and you improve them, but uh, it has become a, a a strictly workshop, photo travel business. Do mm-hmm. uh, I I sort of came to the conclusion, and I mean. Again, uh, how how do you invent something when you really can't fund it? So, uh, I, uh, except Hans Strand, for instance, uh, there there are an array of other photographers that I am really inspired by and wanted to meet and and work with. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm, I can just you know name drop. One, David Thompson from Vegas, who everybody who listened to this podcast already knows. He's a great photographer. Uh, and if you don't know him, check him up. Uh, and uh, I just, you know, I, I guess like most of us, we stumbled upon his swamp images and just blew me away. And I started to really look into him and learn more about him. Uh, but I, I'm a, I'm a you know, I'm a parent of three kids uh, and uh, with a normal job, <laughs> and I I can't go to the states for a week, you know, and 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 to to, to hang with him. So uh, uh, I, by the time we are at now, I already learned to know David because I I, I bought some online classes uh, where he coached me uh, for in post processing. So we got to know each other that way. But the setup was to actually bring the world to Sweden rather than Swedes have to pay tens of thousands of dollars going to the States. So I, I, I made my business trying to, to get the best photographers in the world to, to come here and, and teach. And, and David was one. Uh, and Adam Gibbs was another. I also been in contact with some other really good photographers that inspires me but then obviously covid happened so nothing of this <laughs> has become a reality yet but we're still on it and and we're doing it 2022 now instead of this year that's a really cool idea and obviously i mean on the, on the one hand it's a it's a brilliant way for you to get to know these people and have them come to you instead of you going to them but also um, helping them expand their reach into other countries and gain more business. So I think, you know, early on in my non-photography career, I had a job where I, I helped um, create business partnerships between the nonprofit I was working at and for-profit entities in the in the uh, community I was living in. And the, one of the first things that my CEO told me about my job was that it was all about finding a win, win, win. So like a win for the, for us, a win for them, and then a win for the people that we're trying to serve. So, um, I think your business model is kind of an example of, of that because you're winning, uh, the other photographer is winning. And then the, the people that you're, that are taking the workshop there in Sweden are also winning. So I think that's a really great way to think about it. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I I think it's doable, and 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 actually, the the demand is certainly there. I mean, I I could just see how quickly the workshops with uh, uh, David Thompson and Adam Gibbs sold out. I mean, yeah. uh, because there are so many. Even this is a small market. I mean, we we have what nine million people living in Sweden, so we are we are a very tiny, tiny state in compared to any state in the U.S. I presume, and and uh, I'm acting on a on a highly saturated and, and a fairly small regional market. You know, the 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 the, the total turnover of of all the businesses uh, that offering the similar services that I do is in the range of three, four million US dollars. So it's it's a small market, but uh be instead of trying to offer what everybody else is offering here, I'm, i I said, okay, let's bring the rock stars over and, and you know, see what happens. And it, it so it seems to work out pretty good, but obviously COVID came, you know, in, in right in the middle of it and just blew everything up. Just as for everyone else. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Uh, well, we'll talk more about COVID later, but yeah. um, I was curious, uh, what are some of the ways that you're kind of promoting or marketing these workshops to to the people that live close to you? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I presume in, in highly regular best practice manners, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of Google Ads and and use the Google's uh, different tools to penetrate the market and, and get my message out there. I also, uh, I also cooperate with some magazines, uh, photo magazines that, you know, Swedish photo magazines, etc. And once in a while uh, I use the banners and, and, and well on once in a while, I also buy a full page ad or whatever, but, I, I usually do digital, and my my homepage I try to share a lot of knowledge on. So uh, I'm actually building up a pretty good critical mass there, and also on my email, my email list is pretty vast by now. So I have really? good channels. How did you build your email list up? By doing tons of uh, uh, speeches at you know, local photo clubs all over Sweden. Really? Okay. Interesting. So like when people would come, you would just say, Hey, can you sign up? For, like, how did, did you make them sign up or how did you, how did you do that? Uh, well, I, I actually got this idea from uh, Dusty Dod- Doddridge. Right. Yeah. yeah. So because we met at Lofoten a year back and uh, uh-huh. well, I just asked him because his photo business and how he gone about building it. And he gave me this idea. So I started immediately on my way back home to promote myself heavily on the local photo clubs. So I, I pretty much met them all, not all obviously, but I, I met about 50 photo clubs. So it's been a uh, hectic, very fun, extremely fun. And, and then uh, since this, mostly it's digital via Zoom. They get to engage to the meeting with their email addresses. So I'm, I'm just building that up. Hmm. But I guess what I'm asking is how did you actually get their email addresses? The photo clubs. So you just asked the photo clubs to give them your I'm, 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 I'm going to the photo clubs, introducing myself, 
telling them that I will be happy to give a speech uh, and talk about one or two subjects that might uh-huh. interest them. And their members get to sign up to the meeting. And uh, I, I, I uh, take the emails off that list and, you know, and make them subscribers. Gotcha. No, that's okay. That makes sense. I've been, it's funny because I've been doing something sort of similar, but my goal was never to collect email addresses. And now I'm like, oh, I've missed so many email addresses. Yeah. Email, email addresses are, I mean, if you have a sales pipe, oh, uh, it's you're, critical. You have, you have the Facebook or what, what Google, well, Google first level, Facebook, Instagram second level, the third critical level where you actually have the conversions is from your email list. Uh, at oh, least for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I listened to Amy Porterfield's podcast and she's all about email marketing. And basically what she says is, you know, social media really should just be your way of getting people to your email list. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, it's spot on. Yes. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, so tell me more about the Google ads because I have never actually created a Google ad. And have you f- found that to be worth the money? Uh, I, I don't really convert customers on Google. Uh, what I do is I, I convert uh, visitors into uh, people who are coming back to my website again and again. And eventually they click purchase somewhere down the line. Uh, but it's uh, Google work as, uh, you know, as I said, a, a top level in this pipe. And that might lead to an article or something I've been writing or a, an offer in form of a, uh, a Photoshop uh, course or a, a workshop uh, outdoors. Uh, but uh, I, I find it, it attracts the traffic that I need to build the critical mass on the bottom line. But it's a top-level uh, sales tool. So you're basically using Google Ads as a way of just getting people into your sales funnel, and then yeah, exactly. And then obviously, I'm guessing that you have cookies or or like a Facebook Pixel or something like that installed, by which you then can say, okay, people that made it to this landing page, I'm going to target them in other ways to get them even further into the sales funnel. Correct. Interesting. So no, but I mean, did, digital marketing has become such an important tool. I mean, firstly, I mean, just several years ago, I mean, Google started to sort out every web page that wasn't mobile friendly. I mean, this is way back, uh, but you still find a lot of businesses with websites that, that can't be read by a normal smartphone. So they are basically out of business. Right. We're not going to find them. I mean, then again, if if I would sell products like sh- and, and ship products like over like regular e-commerce i probably would have a higher conversion by google ads because i i think google has is really useful for for that i mean i i know a lot of photographers who sells online courses etc download stuff that you put in a basket and check out i i don't have any of that so so for me it's been like a, a sales funnel tool mostly uh, but it's really use, usable for that too. So it's been working out really good, I think. Yeah, we'll have to see if uh, if I can trade you any knowledge for your help on getting something like that set up. <laughs> that, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, send me a print. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's cool, man. I've um I've been geeking out on email marketing and sales funnels for a while now. It's like I have a pretty good understanding of how it all works. It's just for some reason I haven't totally wrapped my head around like the entire process. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, but I, I no, I mean it's 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 a big it's a uh, it's a really thick book if you want to learn it all. And I I mean I'm 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 just scribbling on the top. And I'm I'm actually working in that business, uh, so <laughs> I mean it's so many ways of doing this, and I'm not saying any way is more right than the other. But conventional tools like like Google works, and I know a lot of photographers has been abandoning fo- uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, and it's all about Instagram. But I mean, you you can't really share knowledge and articles and content marketing on on instagram the way you can with with facebook uh, and and content marketing is still a very potentially good thing to to do if you want to attract more people to a business so uh, i think facebook is excellent to 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 do that to have a like mm-hmm. corporate site on facebook where you share articles and knowledge etc yeah i was gonna say what do you exactly mean by content marketing well, content could be so many things, obviously. Everything from a really nice image, I guess, and that you do better with Instagram. But if you want to if you want to share an an, an article on, on knowledge on how to use a histogram, Facebook is great. Gotcha. So it's using using that to get people to go to your website to read things and then hopefully as they're visiting you have some kind of um, I guess call to action in your article. Yeah, but definitely a call to action. I, I actually put the whole article out on Facebook. I don't do the link thing because that just aggravates people. Because people hate clicking. Click, click makes people mad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that is that is actually a good insight. I mean, avoid clicks. So I I mean, people don't like to click on things. So I just put the whole article up on Facebook. And they get to read it, and if they like it, they might go to my website and they find other things they might like. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I've never, <laughs> I've never thought about doing it quite that way before. <laughs> Interesting. Well, it worked in Sweden. I know there is a slight demographic difference, <laughs> so <laughs> I can't vouch for America, but it, it works over here. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Well, maybe that is a perfect segue to talk about uh, the differences between Europe and the United States in terms of uh, landscape photography and approaches to, to landscape photography. I feel like there's so many different ways we could approach this particular subject because not only are there cultural differences, but we also see differences in um just the types of landscape photography that Europeans are putting out versus United States people. So uh, where would you like to start that? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> how do we, how do we narrow that down? Maybe yeah. Let's talk, yeah. Let's talk about uh, what differences you see um, in terms of just the final product, you know, in terms of the types of art work that photographers produce over there versus over here. What do you, what do you see that's different? Or the or the same compare and contrast. Well, well, for, first of all, I mean, I, I don't think we have uh, any longer a, a a one American school and one European or Northern European school. 
Uh, I mean, we had the uh, back in 18th, 19th century. I I, I, I can never uh, get my grips around how how you count the, the years, but somewhere in the 1800 or 1900. Uh, I mean, 1850 or whatever. Like, but you had the you had the Hudson School and you had the Skagen School over here in Denmark, and and they all painted differently and they used the light different and everything. And uh, but I, I don't think you can divide, you know, the the masters of our time into uh, where where they are coming from because we have a, a but but then again, I mean, the 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 general view, I guess, would be that many Americans is more the glammy, really saturated, colory look and. And the European would be more desaturated than, and like sort of the opposite. But then again, I mean, you have, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, yourself. You have Alex Noriega and a few other excellent masters over there who, who uh, has a total different style than I guess would be considered as a typical American. If you understand mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah, well, first of all, don't don't put me in the same bucket as Alex. <laughs> he's he's basically my idol. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's the idol to many of us. But I mean, he, he uh, I, I I can I can I can still see what I see, and I I, I but but let's talk about Alex Noriega for a while, right? I mean, uh, to me, uh, I totally love what he does. Uh, but to me, he he has made a journey on his own, right? Yeah, from, from something that is probably more typical American landscape photography to something that is more minimalistic, more uh, desaturated, you know. Uh, and 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 uh, and I I really love that uh, style. Uh, over over here on the other side, Europe is a big big continent. Uh, uh, so I, I can't really speak for that, but uh, my uh, Norwegian friends and my Swedish friends, I think, has a, a style, I wouldn't say a style on their own, but a style that has a more laid back and it's not, it's not all about, you know, super, super fantastic. And I guess many of them don't attract as many likes as one of these uh, Super glossy images that that you see from time to time on on Instagram, mm-hmm. etc. So it's more uh, laid back, and um, so I I, I feel today the, the the geographical borders has somewhat been erased. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not America style and a European style, but I, I but then again, you I understand where the question is coming from because I think earlier. There was a clearer difference. Mm-hmm. Well, I just think back, and I can only really talk about the time that I've been in photography. And a huge uh, influence here, I guess you could say, started with Mark Adamus, yeah. um, where he started, you know, really just over—I don't want to say over the top, but some people might say over the top, but you know, just super epic, like everything's perfect 
like super saturated, just incredible light in every single photograph, mm-hmm. you know, triple rainbow with unicorns and dragons flying around. And, um, and then, you, and then shortly after Mark started putting out that type of work. And I mean, he definitely deserves the credit for kind of pushing the craft in that direction, whether no, you, whether you like it that way or not. Mostly I'm saying that to myself because I kind of don't like it, but anyway, then you then you shortly after that you had 500px the, the website 500px that kind of gained huge amounts of popularity back in like 2013 2014 2015 and all these people started trying to be like mark putting out you know just similar type imagery and uh and i think that was that's what heavily drove landscape photographers here in the United States, I think, is kind of starting out with Mark Adamus. And then what I, what I think is kind of, for me anyway, what's kind of refreshing is you have you do have people like Alex Noriega, who definitely went down that path of following in Mark's footsteps, but then he kind of diverged on his own path and has taken on some more of the similarities of, of photographers like William Neal and um you know john sexton and people that are you know more simple but powerful images that don't rely on epic conditions or epic skies more intimate scenes and i think it's it's refreshing to see those that type of photography kind of make a resurgence at least for me I, 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 no i agree um, let, let's not forget sarah marino in that mix oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i mean talking about excellent images no, but I agree. And uh, I, I probably destroyed an iPad, you know, drooling over Mark Adams' pictures back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, don't get me wrong. I uh, I definitely can remember many, a de- many, many an hour where I spent on his website enjoying what I was seeing. So, so yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> oh, but I, 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 I like the, the shift of you. And, and uh, we can see other photographers who have sort of created – their own space, like Stian Clue, who I've been following for years, uh, uh, Norwegian photographers and many knows, uh, and and uh, who I think has you know also gone from from that to something else. That is, I well, I really appreciate it. it it's it's its own artistic expression uh, in a way. So. Mm-hmm. So and I, I and I then again and I've been working a lot. Well, working. I've been learning. Sorry, I've been learning from Hamstrand, who who is uh, in many ways and in many regards a purist. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I, I think that has been a very thoughtful and very good experience for me to to not go into that uh, uh, like economy trap. <laughs> you know, get a lot of thumbs up and you know. Yeah, no, I it's um I I mean it's obviously something I like to talk about but it's also I kind of have to be sensitive to the listener with my opinion on this but uh I do feel like the reason why that style of imagery is gained such popularity and so quickly right in line with kind of the the peaking and height of social media is is that it 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 did produce a lot of likes and therefore a lot of dopamine and i think like it or not that that is kind of what i think some people are chasing mm. with their photography you know 
Well, uh, yeah, but I guess it's okay because we all we all got to start out with something. We all got to be inspired by something, whatever it is, that get us out there and starting to exploring. And, totally. And and we mature. Uh, and while we are maturing, we are slowly uh, getting inspired by other things, and we are also starting to form an opinion on of our own. And that sure. opinion later on, I guess, becomes more of a mark in the direction you want to go rather than what everybody else is trying to tell you to go. Yeah, and to your point, like I'm not saying my opinion is the right one. It's just the way no, that no. it's where I've arrived. And I mean, I've, I guess I feel like I kind of have the benefit of hindsight here in, in that I, I too was chasing that style. I mean, I can remember many a times where I would do stuff to my photographs to make them look quote unquote look better or be have a better reception not because it looked better but just because I thought it would get more attention for the sole purpose of it being on the popular page of 500px like that's literally what my thought process was had nothing to do with making the photograph better or or anything like that. It was literally so that I could have a higher chance of being on the popular page of 500px. And I just, looking back on that now, I'm like, wow, that was kind of stupid. <laughs> um, but, you know. Well, it's quite it's quite destructive, isn't it? I mean, it's quite destructive for your creativity and it's quite destructive for your for everything. I mean, I guess it can be. Uh, I guess you could make an argument that if that's what drives you as a photographer, it probably does force you to do some creative things um, in terms of learning different post-processing techniques or things like that. But I don't, I don't think it, it's a very, to your point, I think in terms of like differentiating yourself as an artist or as having something unique, I don't think it does that, you know, it doesn't really help you there. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. Yep. But yeah, like I said, I mean, I can say that because I used to do it myself. <laughs> um, and no, now I, I don't. Said, we, we, I think we all are inspired on, on that type of images because they are so, I mean, they're, they're nearly like pop out of the screen and hits you in the face. So it, no wonder that what grabs you. Uh, totally. It, or I wouldn't say what grabs you. I would say it can grab you. I mean, it, it's and it's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's Mark Adams is a great photographer. Period. Oh, I mean, he's a great like creator. It's like I said before. I mean, he he can take credit for basically shifting the entire industry in a direction. Yes, definitely. Um, I was curious from kind of the circles you run in in Europe or in Scandinavia. How do you, this, I'm going to have to carefully craft this question, but like what is kind of the general view of that style of photography from the, from uh, Scandinavians? Like, do you look at that type of work and, and do you like it or do you look at it and think that it's kind of over the top? Like what's kind of your general impression with that? I, I think it, it depends on where, where you are at in your evolving in, in your what do you say uh, development or uh-huh. where, where you are at and no, uh, so uh, most people I I get to meet uh, students or uh, other you know 
well, photographers in general, I would I, I would guess because we all are photographers. <laughs> but but uh, most people I get to meet uh, tends to be more minimalistic, uh, more laid back uh, in their approach, both both in creating the image out in the field and in their post process. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, if if anything, it's more desaturated, and uh, there isn't a lot of known Swedish photographers in that are into uh, composites. Do you have a sense of why that is? No. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, really. interesting. Uh, we, we have a, I mean, no, I don't. I, I, I have no idea actually why. And, uh, it's, uh, I mean, it's not like you guys are up there without the internet and living under a rock without access to Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I mean, uh, we, I, I think uh, S- Scandinavia as a whole is a you know a tech hub, so <laughs> we're we're pretty uh, online up here uh, uh-huh. going on. Now I I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's more a a, a mentality or or you know in sort of more in the DNA perhaps. But I I I I I really uh, am am trembling in speculating about a, this subject because it's. It's a hard subject to to penetrate, and it's a hard question to answer. I don't think anyone could give a proper answer. I I could only speculate. But, uh, sure. Yeah. I wonder. Maybe I'm. This might be a reach, but it's where my brain is at right now. So, you know, obviously there are some very key. What's the way? I don't want to cultural. Yes, cultural differences between the United States and Scandinavia, but also I think the values of the kind of the general values of the people that live in the United States versus uh, Scandinavia are a little bit different in terms of, you know, the United States is more about individualism and, and money and freedom and, um, you know, competition and capitalism. Whereas in Scandinavia, it's, you know, it's like that compassionate capitalism where like, there's less regulation, but also more, uh, I guess, kind of a general sense of the, the people want to take care of each other. And so there's, it seems like it's less competitive in nature, culturally, and, you know, the the general well-being of everyone is important, more important than just yourself. So I'm wondering, I mean, like I said, I'm just theorizing here. Yes, yes. I'm wondering if that plays a little bit into it, because I... I feel like the whole, you know, over the top, in your face, that has to be better than the last image approach definitely is very in line with that kind of capitalist competition mindset. What do you, what do you think about that theory? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, sorry. I mean, I I like the theory. Uh, I like what you're saying. I I don't, I, I don't agree with everything you're saying right now because, uh, Although there are differences, uh, make no mistake, uh, Europe and Sweden uh, is capitalist as well. I mean, a long, long time ago, there, this was, a, as Margaret Thatcher used to say, the socialist state of Sweden. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. I mean, a lot of, a lot of uh, things have happened since then. Uh, what, what I... Well, obviously, we we are very progressed in in 
the 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 good for everyone and and the the welfare system etc but uh i i think that you you might be onto something here but i i i just think it's uh the the the, the light up here the nature and everything it and how we interact with it is just on on a much deeper level different uh just as i presume you know uh i, I mean i i you I, I like to cook, right? So I, I cook a lot of food, and uh, uh, I, I do different styles: Mediterranean, American, uh, Lebanese, whatever. And I, I like to think about how the uh, the people in Italy around Pompeii, you know, they 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 had outdoor servings, uh, restaurants with olive oils and garlics and rosemary, etc. And well. Well, while we up here sat in in, in a cage, uh, sorry, uh, not a cage. What do you call that? Uh, in, in the mountains, you know, and 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 uh, probably ate uh, rabbits, you know, that would just build over fire, or whatever that would just killed with a bat. So, <laughs> well, it, th- these cultural differences affects how we are as people, how we perceive nature, how we look upon things more, perhaps, than capitalist versus socialist per you know like that do you understand what mm-hmm. i mean i think so i think it's interesting to think about the interaction between man and his environment and how that informs your values as a people i think that's a a very interesting connection there because if you think about it you know what what's one thing that the people in Scandinavia have in common, well, they all live very far north with very cold winters. So surviving in that type of environment, um, for better or worse, requires people to kind of collaborate and uh, collect their resources together so that they can survive. Whereas here, well, I, I guess I could say maybe more Western Europe, that wasn't necessarily as as required to survive. Mm. Um, and then of course the spreading over here to the United States. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. That's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I, I can just relate a little bit. I mean, because I guess it's easy, right? You relate to yourself and how are you thinking? I mean, I love gray moisture, cold days, you know, <laughs> when it's so, you know the sky is so darn heavy it's nearly like hitting you in the head and it's really thick i love to create in that environment and and that subtle, subtle light that you know that that you can see in that sort of environment and mm-hmm. it, it's really dark right i mean it's really dark and and but still creating in that environment and and capturing the soul of that environment when i get to do that i'm i'm really happy and it's pretty far from purple orange beautiful sunsets yeah i was gonna say uh i guess that's a good way of thinking about it too is like how you personally find yourself interacting with the natural environment also helps inform your style as a photographer or what you're drawn to because you know i grew up and spent most of my time in colorado where it's 300 days of sunshine and we have beautiful 
clouds and we do have storms and stuff, but the storms are usually accompanied by like really crazy, awesome light and rainbows. And, and, you know, we have this glowing red and orange faces of granite peaks and things like that. And, you know, that stuff's pretty uncommon in Northern Europe. <laughs> it is. Yes, it is. So that that's an interesting way to think about it. Yeah. And also just moving across the border because I, I, I mean, I love photographing mountains also. I mean, uh, and, and just, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty darn unfair, right? Because as soon as you move over the border from Norway to Sweden, it all just flats out. <laughs> it's it, it basically on the mark where the border is. It's just a whoosh. It just disappears, right? So, you know, we get mountains, but they're all, you know, small and really round in their uh -huh. shape. So none of these beautiful peaks sticking up. The Norwegians got to keep them for themselves. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. But I'm lucky in a way because I think Norway might be, you know, one of the most beautiful countries in the world to make photographs in and it's still it's just you know an hour away in a flight or a few hours in a car right yeah i know that's awesome i mean here here in the western united states like it's very common for people to drive five to ten hours to get to a place to photograph it so yeah that's pretty awesome <laughs> yeah no yep yeah. cool well thanks for ruining my theory <laughs> no, but it was a good theory, and I'm, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just you know it's it's hard to it's it's really hard to nail down. I think a good solid answer on, sure. on these questions. It's just but but I, I, as I, as I, as you said, and I say I, I tried to make a point that I, I can only look to what I'm really happy, what environments I'm really happy in creating in, and. And that differs pretty much from from what other photographers from other continents and cultures are, you know. So I, I think that's and it's a nice mix. I mean, we there's room for everyone. So mm -hmm. that's true. Uh, well, like everything else, uh, there's probably some some truth to to both of our theories in terms of what influences different people or the, the craft in general. So yeah. maybe we're, maybe there's a piece of what both of us said. That's a little bit, right. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm absolutely sure. Yes. Cool. All right. All right, man. Well, let's, uh, let's uh, talk about who you would like to hear on the podcast. Who are some photographers that have inspired you? Uh, right. Yeah. Well, obviously that would be a very long list out of, Many already been guests at your show, but I'm, 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 you know, I'm trying to engage with new photographers, well, not new photographers, but I'm trying to engage with people I don't know, and I'm, I'm constantly sweeping the, the, the different channels out there just to pick up inspiration from different places, and and the first uh, out of a few that I have just gathered for this is. Uh, Tara Workman, she's apparently out of Portland. Uh, we never met. We never spoke. I think she also follows me. At least I follow her work out on Instagram, and I love it. Uh, I don't know who, who if, if many people knows about her, but Tara is an excellent photographer to check out. Yeah, and I think uh, at the time of this recording, it hasn't been released yet, but... Her podcast will come out 
next week. So I think it's episode one eighty seven. So see, yeah, I had a had a great chat with her, and I love her work too. It's really good. So I, I obviously have some talent. At least I can spot the talent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, the the second person is known to many more, I guess. It's Bruce Percy. He's uh, yep. been a, a great inspiration for many years. Uh, love his work, his style. And if anyone knows him and can convince him to come onto the podcast, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. You, you need, you need. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's probably a tough, tough thing, but it, you will. You will, what do you say? You will, in the end, I, I think he will come. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking, uh, trying to do a podcast with landscape photographers who are who are uh, very shy and uh, don't like to talk to other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we got this. Uh, that That's another thing, right? We, we spoke about differences, right? We have the introverts and the extroverts. Yeah, there's a lot of introverts in landscape photography. Yeah, yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right. You want uh, me to come on a podcast? Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I heard you the other day when you that was funny. Uh, you were you had this all. Uh, I think it was just well, it was Sarah Marino and uh, uh, Victoria and a few other female yeah. photographers and. And you had this discussion about uh, uh, volunteering to be on or being asked and being a little bit hesitant about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, has that been, you, uh, you that been your experience too? <laughs> <laughs> no, you said there was a you know far far more people uh, the the people who ask to be on your show is uh, at least what nine out of ten times guys. Or if oh, for sure. I don't think. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I and I had to actually to to uh, uh, check check my own conscience there, but I, I I actually did realize that that you actually asked me before I asked you, so I I, I had to be a little bit proud about that. Although I, if you hadn't asked me, I probably would have knocked on your door sooner or later. <laughs> well, yeah, I know you had said that uh, you were. I don't know nervous about it because you felt like you didn't belong in the same league as other people who have been on the show. And I will say, you know, that's something we all struggle with as photographers is like that imposter syndrome. Like, Oh, I don't have anything to add to the conversation, but, but uh, you know, this podcast isn't about, isn't about just photographing or about interviewing or talking to great photographers. It's, it's about talking about photography with great people. So um, I think there's this perception that you have to be some kind of photo god in order to be on my podcast, and that's definitely not the case. <laughs> no, I, I, I do realize that at the same time, it, it's pretty, you know, uh, frightening to, to, to be on a show that, sure. that has been where, where so many, uh, Hans Strand, uh, Alex, you know, whatnot, so many great photographers, Sarah Marino, has been on already multiple times saying wonderful things and you look at their images and you're like, wow. So it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's, uh, it's on, it's honorable. And, uh, you, you told me I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm going to be uh, on on episode right before the 200. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm going to put that in my personal memoirs if I ever write them, that I, I got to be on the top 200 shows of, of Matt James' <laughs> podcast. There you go. All right, man. Well, well you got, uh, I think you said you had one more recommendation. Uh, absolutely, yes. And uh, this is someone I picked up again that, that, that I really like. Uh, she has a tendency to, at least her last 50 posts or whatever, she has a tendency only photographing horizons. So you have water, horizon, and skies, or different light. And her name is Andrea Hamilton. Uh, and I, I can get super curious about people that dedicate themselves to one theme, one you know, it's not about a style, really. It's more theme. Right. It is so interesting. And how she managed to translate those, you know, uh, moods and feelings into squares on Instagram. And it just beautiful images. Really beautiful. I yeah, don't there's... know where she's from. I, I, I reckon she's from the States somewhere or UK or Australia, given the name. but. Yeah, there was this guy, I forget his name right now, but uh, I reached out to him. Um, but he he had, he basically rides his bicycle out into the middle of the desert in Australia, I think it is. And uh, he, he takes like a f- full frame, like large format camera with him, film mm-hmm. camera. Right. And he does these super long exposures in the desert. And it's the same kind of feel, like 50% sky, 50% land, and just really just kind of haunting images but he also has this like really interesting documentary film about his experience being out in the desert and what that was like so trying to get that guy on the show because just his story was super interesting but same kind of photos yeah 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 yep and and also uh, i'm I'm not going to mention any more names but uh i i come to realize that you had felix inden on uh, not too long ago who's obviously from Germany, but very active up in Norway. And that whole Norwegian outfit up there is pretty darn awesome. And you should check them out too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For sure. Awesome, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I hope you uh, saved some of your beer so you can relax afterwards. Yeah, well, there you go. And you can drink your morning coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the, the joys of doing a cross Atlantic podcast. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks again for, for being such a supporter of the show. I, I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Matt, for continuing doing this really important thing you are doing. I think, I mean, it's meant a lot to me and it means a lot to a whole bunch of us who is, you know, just are passionate about photograph and landscapes. Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks to Matthias for a great conversation about digital marketing and his approach to gaining business as an upstart landscape photography business person. Thanks also for your generous support of the podcast and for your friendship. As Matthias mentioned, we learned a lot from David Thompson via his post-processing lessons on Skype. David has graciously provided us with a discount code to those classes until the end of 2020 for anyone supporting the podcast over on Patreon. 
When you sign up as a new patron, you can gain access to a 20% off discount code for David's post-processing one-on-one classes. That's a win-win-win. All right, well, that's all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.